Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! Holy Jesus, mother of all that is almighty, the Batman was fucking epic! Oh my goodness, I cannot contain the excitement and the, 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 the soothing, I, I want to say soothing this so badly, but it's not the soothing, it's more of a, um, like a deep satisfaction over watching a movie like this. It came. I saw, and it fucking conquered. Welcome to another episode of Outside the Comments Volume 2 Podcast. We are here to talk about the Batman spoiler-free review. I did say last time that I thought I should do a spoiler-filled review because I was supposed to have a guest coming in, but unfortunately, she didn't see the movie, so we're going to have to postpone our you know get-together for another day, maybe in the next week or two, but no harm, no foul. We'll probably talk about that more in detail there. And you know what? As I thought more about it, I felt like it's a good thing. Because obviously a lot of people are not going to have access to watching the movie right away. And you want to be in a position where you can watch it more than once or twice. Which I completely understand. And then me revealing the spoilers and everything. Chances are you're not going to want to click and hear me ramble or hear us ramble on about it if you haven't seen it yet. And by the time you do listen to it. It'll probably be forgetful, and I'm just going to move on to the next thing. So this actually worked out good. It worked out good. And also, I don't need to spend the next 30 minutes or so, you know, dissecting the movie because, like I said, it's spoiler-free, so there's only so much that I can actually talk about. But with that being said, I don't, I don't want to jeopardize this any longer. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to keep beating around the bush. Let's go right now. Here we are, the Batman spoiler-free review, and you know what? I'll give you a little bit of a jingle, which is coming up right in a bit. We have been waiting for over a year, possibly a little bit more, ever since that trailer was came to us by DC Fandom. And I thought about it more and more, and then I just realized how much this movie actually went through so much production hell with the reshoots and then coming back and continuing with uh, during production and then editing everything, and then post-production, and then COVID got in the way, and then Robert Pattinson got COVID. There were so many signs that I thought to myself, and a lot of people thought, this is going to be an absolute mess. And then I saw it. A lot of people did. And it was an absolute masterpiece. I know it's spoiler-free, and it will be spoiler-free, don't worry. You know, I'm not going to reveal anything, but... There's just so many things that I want to talk about in terms of what I thought was perfect and what I thought was awesome. But 
obviously, I can only dial down to what I believe. Matt Reeves' direction, the director for this film, he completely knew what he was doing. This is a different movie. It's a different interpretation of the movie. For, as you already know, this has nothing to do with any of the other storylines. It's a completely different timeline. It's a completely different Batman. It's a newer Batman. It's actually a Batman that has not even reached its prime yet. Because this is only year two. So, this is Batman. This is Bruce Wayne actually finding his footing and finding his, you know, his rhythm on how to become the mythical Dark Knight of Batman. What I love about this movie, for one thing, the atmosphere of Gotham City. Pure perfection. Whenever we see past Batman films, we depict Gotham City as, you know, it was told to us from time and time again that it was a dump. It's a, it's a shithole. It's a dumpster fire. You know, things like that. But it was never really showed to us to a degree to the, to the point that if you were in it, you're like, well, it's not so bad. Because... Think about it this way. I love the Dark Knight films. And I love almost every other movie that came before it. There's no doubt about it. Gotham didn't really feel like... It felt like more like a dark New York City in a way. And I should know because I live here. So that's what it kind of felt like to me. It didn't really feel like the, you know, the, the Gotham that is the absolute shithole. If anything, the Gotham show was the only closest thing that was, you know, that... that closely resembled that but the difference between that show and this movie is the fact that that show focused a little bit more on the villains in Gotham City not the atmosphere of Gotham do you know what I mean like it, it focused more on the human elements of Gotham but it didn't really focus on the atmosphere this depicted the atmosphere beautifully you go in and you for one thing you are not safe you are not safe whatsoever. It's it's one of those things where it's like, oh my god, how could anyone ever fucking live here? It's no wonder why the Batman was created. So, like I said, the atmosphere was intense. 90, 99, 90 to 95% of this movie was actually shot in the dark. And there were only like a couple of sunrising scenes. But it it played very well because Matt Reeves uses the aspect of fear and everything is so silent and by the way such a dark and gritty film this was oh my god last episode i did my let's bash a, a, a critic um thing where this was dark and gritty and, and batman is broody oh was he broody but fuck that puta because she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about because she doesn't understand batman i understand batman you understand batman a lot of people understand batman if they're passionate fans this is a very dark, broody, depressing, not depressing in a, in a, depressing, this movie is going to make you depressed, but this is a very dark, depressing atmosphere that really gets you into, it gets you the chills, you know? But I know you're through talking about me with the atmosphere thing. Elephant in the Room, Bruce Wayne, Batman by Robert Pattinson. Killed it. As Bruce Wayne and Batman killed it. I do have one slight complaint. One slight complaint. But I'm going to save that towards the end. Just, just one slight complaint. I'll save that for the end though. But Robert Pattinson understood who this character was. He understood 
how to be Batman. He understood the the psychological aspect of this character on the fact that this tragedy, this this tragic thing, has happened to him in his life, and is and it, it it shaped him to become the Dark Knight, the one that creeps into the shadows and is willing to strike in every single thing that he does, especially when it comes to criminals. And again, let's go back to the atmosphere real quick. There were so many scenes where thugs would look over. And and, and, and and they would think that something is there, but it's really not. So it plays into the fear and emotions that goes into it. Oh my God, it was played so beautifully. Robert Pattinson really knew who this character was about. I know there were a lot of complaints about his casting in terms of, oh, well, he's not bulking up to be the Batman. Trust me when I say he does not need to be. He's more agile in this movie. He's more... He can move a little bit more freely. I think he said that the suit, like, Robert Pattinson said that the suit was like 60 pounds or something, which is a lot of weight to carry from your body from head to toe, if you truly think about it. But he moved quickly. He moved, you know, efficiently. And he really took this role and made it his own. He didn't have to disguise his voice. He just made it a little... there's another thing about this movie is actually played. It played very well with silence where he doesn't have to say much. And in a way he's, he's now I wouldn't say menacing, but he's God, God damn. What's the word? I, I, the word that I'm looking for, I don't know. It's going to come to my head, but intimidating. He's much more intimidating and he's much more scary because like I said, this is a dark and gritty movie. Way darker than the Dark Knight, you know. It had some light. It had some. It had some realistic moments. But this, this is something else in complete and utter awesomeness. Casting directors were great. Casting directors. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm. I'm getting so <laughs> supporting characters. Mind <laughs> casting directors. Jesus. Supporting characters were great. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman really made this role of Catwoman her own. I believe it was Anne Hathaway years ago, either two or three years ago, that told her, make Catwoman your own. And she did. And a good chunk of this movie actually revolved around her, which is not bad, especially when it comes to the Batman. It always does come across to sometimes when it comes to Batman tales and Batman you know, moments where they do focus on other characters every now and then. Every now and then. And this movie is no different. Uh, Colin Farrell as Penguin. I did not think for one second that that was Colin Farrell. But when he when I heard about the casting and I'm like, wait, that's Colin Farrell? And he looks like that? Great makeup, great design. More of a um Italian type of a perspective when it comes to him. It was like, oh, and this was from the trailers. He goes, oh, take it easy, sweetheart. You know, things like that. Riddler, I forgot the dude's name. I'm sorry. Uh, I I was going to say Paul Paul Dino or something, something along those lines. But the guy that played Riddler, great. All, fucking awesome. Which is funny because the only other Riddler that we've actually saw in live action was Jim Carrey from Batman Forever in 1997. So to see a different Riddler that had a little bit of a psychopathic tendency like the Joker from The Dark Knight, there were a little bit of hints in there, but he played his role very greatly. And 
that's not even, you know, right common words to be used, but whatever. Great in terms of what he did. Loved Commissioner Gordon by Jeffrey Wright. Loved Alfred. Even though the movie did not really focus on the relationship between Alfred and Bruce Wayne, which was kind of a little bit of a letdown, but I'm willing to look past that because, like I said, this mostly focuses in on Bruce Wayne, Batman, the entirety of Gotham City, and the detective work. Oh my god, one of the best highlights of the movie by far. The fact that this movie is so grounded that it's like Seven. You remember the movie Seven? It's like the, uh, uh, it's a film noir. It's a film noir type of a movie where it focuses on the murders and it focuses on, you know, detective work. And there is a lot of detective work that goes on in this movie. Holy shit. It, it made me rethink to myself of those older uh, black noir films from way back in the day. I believe it was around the 40s, like the 30s or 40s, even the 50s, the black and white uh, black noir films. I remember watching a few of those films in school, and I almost loved every one of them, including the femme fatale ones. And uh, this movie was a reminiscence of that. It really was. Because it really made you pay attention in terms of the riddles, what they meant, what they mean, how can you connect them together, what clues can go on, and so on and so forth. Brilliant, brilliant directing with that by Matt Reeves. Again, everything was fucking awesome. If I have not said that already, if I said it until you're blue in the face, it doesn't matter. This movie was epic to every brink of it. Now, here are my issues. Here, here's a, I'm not, I'm, you know what? Let me rephrase that. They're not issues, but they're more of nitpicky moments. Just nitpicky moments. And I explain that with Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm going to explain with this one as well. Number one, I said earlier that there really is no differentiation between Bruce Wayne and Batman. Honestly, I can look past that because... You you know what I'm you know what I mean by differentiation on the fact that Bruce Wayne is this billionaire playboy philanthropist. You know, whenever you see him, he's either surrounded by women or he's buying banks and he's buying, you know, merchandise or whatever. He's flunking his money around and, you know, because he never wants to think that he's Batman in any way, shape or form, that he's damaged psychologically. And the fact that this is Bruce Wayne playboy, he doesn't give a fuck. He has girls all around him. Yeah, none of that in this movie. None of it. And that's not a bad thing. Because, as I said earlier, this is Batman that has not even reached his prime yet. This is only year two. So he's still trying to find the moral ambiguity of his character in terms of how he should be portrayed when he faces uh, others in public. Not to mention, it's pretty clear from Robert Pattinson's acting that he spent a great deal in isolation and it's hard to break out of that especially when you go around in public you know what I mean like it's very hard for you to distinguish yourself from being a normal guy and putting on this fake smile and this fake attitude for other people when you've been suffering for so long in isolation so as I said 
it's a nitpicky thing, but I'm only mentioning it because I've known other Bruce Waynes and Batmans from the past that have done that. But this movie didn't need it. And I can actually I I can actually grant that as an you know what? It's good. It's fine. It's awesome. Here's another nitpicky thing that I have. And this one I do have a slight problem with, but I get why they did it. The whole and this was from the trailers, so I'm not spoiling anything. The whole Batman walking through and gunfire not affecting him. I kind of have a little bit of a problem with that, and let me explain why. Batman, throughout all of his awesomeness, with the 127 fighting styles that he has learned, and the fact that he has made or bought specific type of Kevlar to help so he can, you know, stop certain gunfires and certain, you know, knife attacks and things like that because, you know, he needs armor. His his bat suit is probably either military graded or whatever the case may be. It's it's armor. It's what he is. But throughout the films and throughout Batman content as a whole, throughout comics or whatever the case may be, Batman regardless of his, you know, his richness and what he does with his money and his, you know, valuables and his assets in terms of the gear that he has on, he's still a human being. And that's what separates him from everybody else, from the Justice League, from other superheroes in general. He's still a human being without superpowers. But his main one is his mind and his inability to never give up, right? With the Batman walking through bullets or walking to bullets and walking to them like they're nothing, when when a semi-automatic rifle is literally spraying up against his chest and he's walk throughing it like nothing, showing no vulnerability whatsoever, it kind of takes away from his perspective of being an actual human being in a fighting costume. And if you don't understand what I'm trying to say, let me try to explain it another way. Superman can walk through bullets. Obviously, he's the Man of Steel, so bullets does not affect him whatsoever. Wonder Woman, nearly the same thing. Bullets doesn't affect her whatsoever, or she can easily dodge it, or whatever the case may be, right? Batman is not like that. Batman can dodge bullets, or can dodge a gun before it shoots a, it shoots right at him, and when he does take a shot, he still feels pain. He still feels a little bit of that vulnerability, and Again, we're reminded that this is a human being in a bat costume and he can die at any time if someone takes a good shot at him. With this, on the other hand, with the whole semi-automatic is firing at him, it almost feels him nearly invincible and that vulnerability is taken away from Batman. You know what I mean? Like, I know this is a very nitpicky thing and I'm sure someone is listening is like, well, Garcia, why can't you just accept it the way it is? I get it. I should, but again, that's how my brain thinks, and it, it it takes away from the vulnerability on the fact that, wow, this guy really can't be killed. And like I said, he has not reached his prime yet. So if he's like this now in only year two, imagine how he's going to be in 20 years from now. With the Ben Affleck suit, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Batman 1989, the first one, played by Michael Keaton. He got fired, kind of knocked him unconscious in a little bit. Ben Affleck from Batman v Superman, he got stabbed 
and he got shots fired right at him, even at plank, uh, blank point range or point range, gun range, literally at his head. And it disoriented him just a little bit. So he does feel pain. Hell, even when I play the Arkham games, I know it's the Arkham games, I get it. Even when I play the Arkham games, there are times where I have to literally dodge fire whenever a bullet hits me. I can imagine it fucking hurts. And no matter how much Kevlar that you actually wear, the impact from the bullets will be able to hurt you. And the weird thing is, is the fact that with this movie, the vulnerability did not show, it didn't show at all until literally later in the movie. I know this is a nitpicky thing and I know I'm making a big deal about this, but again, that's the part that really, really that, that's the part that kind of bothers me a little bit. Again, I understand why they did that. It's a cool visual. It's fucking awesome. And it makes him look more menacing and looks more dangerous in the eyes of the thugs and, and in the eyes of the criminals. On the fact that they could fire bullets, this guy can walk right to them, and yeah, they should be shitting their pants right now. But again, when you do that, it takes away the idea that he's a human being that can be hurt and can suffer damage. Now, as I said, his vulnerability does not get shown until way later in the movie. So, you have to be consistent in its entirety. You, you really do. Also, and I'm not going to spoil it, there's a scene at the end where they put in a character that I truly believe was not really needed. I understand why they did it. I think it's sequel baiting if they do make a Batman 2. And I understand that this character lives in the world of Batman in general. But I feel like it was unneeded. And it was just done for sequel baiting. Not to mention, we know this person lives, currently lives somewhere else. That currently exists somewhere else. So, once again, it's not really needed, and I don't know. I, I'm, still, I'm still iffy on that. Overall, the movie, the movie was spectacular. Go see it once, go see it twice, go see it three times. Get it on DVD when it comes out and Blu-ray, 4K or whatever. This movie is awesome. Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Matt Reeves, Everyone that has been a part of this film with the complications that has been going on through production, they killed it. They killed it greatly. Is it better than The Dark Knight? Ugh. I can't say it's better, but I can't say it's worse either. I really can't. If I would give Spider-Man, but I understand why I do this because, you know, I've done this before and I have to do this for some others. If I would give Spider-Man No Way Home just underneath Spider-Man 2 because of the reasons that I gave it, I have to put the Batman just under the Dark Knight. Just under the Dark Knight. Because, again, there was not that there was much more going on, but it told a cohesive story within the movie where the themes and the screenplay and everything actually made sense. This one, a couple of the nit nitpicky things, and maybe they could have changed just a something here and there. But, 
again, I I love the film. That's what it's about at the end of the day. I loved this film. I loved it. And if I'm going to have to give a rating on it, honest to God, I want to give it a 10 so badly, but because of the nitpicky things that I have and a couple of changes here and there, I will give it a 9.5 out of 10. A 9.5 out of 10. I can't give it the perfect 10 like The Dark Knight. I'm giving it a 9.5 out of 10. And you know what? Honestly, it doesn't matter because I fucking loved it. And you know what? That's the best way to end. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. If you want to get with me and you want to talk more on the Batman, which chances are I will talk more about the Batman, you can hit me up. Voice of Garcia. Twitter. Instagram. Facebook. TikTok. Everywhere. Everywhere. Oh my goodness. This, that's the best way to end on. And... Tune in next time on Wednesday night where I will probably talk on the new animated show that came out, The Boys, The Diabol- the Boys Diabolical, because The Boys will be coming out soon, and why not watch an animated show where everything is wacky, full of blood, full of violence, full of stuff that I absolutely love. I'm not a psychopath. I'm just saying. And as always... When it comes to movies, games, shows, or whatever the case may be, always remember, if you hear about it, and you read about it, and I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time. I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.